Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the world of watches. I can't even wait for you to meet RT Custer. He's got an incredible company called Vortic Watch Company. RT, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Justin. Great to be here. So good to have you. I had so much fun, like not only figuring you out and kind of looking at some of your background, but also like looking at your products are really, really cool. And I've got so many questions for you. Uh, I can't even wait to dive in. Let's do this first. So, how about share a little bit about you and your background before launching Vortic? Yeah. So, um, Vortic Watch Company started in in 2014 on Kickstarter. But, but I mean, prior to that, I was basically a, a college kid. You know, I I mean, I, I grew up on a, a Christmas tree farm in um, yeah. rural Pennsylvania. Um, so that was about about twenty minutes outside of a small town called Reading, about an hour and a half away from Philadelphia is where I grew up. Um, I was a fourth generation farmer and small business owner. Nice. And and an only child, and so um, my my parents and my grandparents kind of groomed me for entrepreneurship. Uh, it was always the the side hustle of the family. Everybody had a corporate career, right? Um, Christmas trees weren't necessarily the most popular profitable uh, business at that point, and still aren't. Um, but but that was my my childhood was was learning how to run a business and and working. I mean, I I spent pretty much all afternoon and and every weekend helping my family run this business uh, well all throughout school and college i studied industrial engineering at penn state where me I went too to i didn't go to penn Look state but i'm an ie i love it there, there you go imaginary engineers <laughs> right. over here i got that all the time <laughs> <laughs> um and and i you know i loved supply chain and and logistics and just like data and and all that kind of cool stuff that went into it and so my first job out of college was with Walmart in logistics engineering and I was solving some of the biggest problems for the world's largest retailer for my first my two year stint in in corporate um and that was about all I could do working for somebody else I, I went out on my own with my friend Tyler here in Fort Collins, Colorado, I moved here after school for Walmart originally. Oh well, and, uh, and then we started um, Vortic Watch Company on Kickstarter. Amazing! Uh, what a cool, cool background and different. And I like I always love to ask my guests that question because it, what's really neat about it is there's no one path, right, to get into you know being an entrepreneur or being in a place where you are today with the brands that you've brought to market. Um, why the watch business? Like a little, t- give us some history on why you chose this this segment to dive into. Well, I love learning how things are made. I love the the history behind, especially how things are made. I I really like manufacturing. I, I you know I think that's why I got into engineering originally. Um, my my parents you know saw me playing with Legos a lot and um, thought maybe I should be a, an architect because I love building things and creating things. But I I mostly love just like knowing how things work and watches was was really um tyler my business partner's idea from the beginning he was the watch guy i was just fascinated with just like okay if we're gonna make a product if we're gonna create a consumer product company 
a watch company sounds really fun because there's a lot of moving parts, literally. Like <laughs> no pun intended, just, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot going on in a little mechanical watch. Um, it's a luxury business. And so we're serving a, a clientele that like they don't need what we're making. And so the, the process of purchasing this thing is kind of a fun thing. And so we get to be part of some of the most fun and interesting conversations with our customers. I like to say we're, we're not saving lives. So nothing's right. ever urgent, <laughs> sure. you know, like if something's urgent in our business, we've done something very wrong is, is right. what, what we usually say. Uh, it's like and a then, luxury item. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then watches and running a watch company, even though we manufacture them here in this building and we are a manufacturing business, it's a marketing company. Like all we do is tell stories, especially with what we do specifically, which is upcycling antique American pocket watches and turning them into one of a kind wristwatches. That, I mean, literally every single watch has a story. We have the story of how we started the company as, you know, young American entrepreneurs having no idea what it was going to be like to, to start a wristwatch manufacturing company. And then you have the story of what I call the great American watch companies that made these old pocket watches a hundred years ago, sure. the ones that sure. were upcycling. So there's just so many layers and levels of, of the historical and manufacturing stories that marketing is... I mean, it's done for us. You know, the products sell themselves. I love that. Um, what a cool idea. Um, so where did you begin? Did you begin with, um, okay, we're going to start a watch company. Did you already know you were going to be taking older watches and then upcycling those? Or what did that early days look like when you got started? Yeah, well, so we had a bunch of ideas on the golf course at Penn State. I mean, like 12, <laughs> nice. 13 years ago. Um, and and we, we filed some patents for some different ideas on wristbands and like how to make a a watch that would be really cool and different. And then we realized that all of our ideas were going to cost a fortune to prototype and, and bring to market. And so we were just like, okay, what, what thing could we do that doesn't seem too difficult? That would be a really good brand builder and like first product. Sure. And we, we went, we did a bunch of market research. We went into jewelry stores and pawn shops and bought old watches that were fairly cheap to try to figure out if basically we're trying to solve the problem of, can we make a watch in America? Because whatever we did, you know, in 2013, when we were really pulling all these together, all these ideas together, we, you know, American made was very popular. It still is, but like, that's what everyone was talking about at that point. Sure. And so we're like, okay, how do we make a watch in America? Most watches stay made in Switzerland or China. We could be those guys. We could be the the two men who figured this out, right? And um, that was the original concept. And then we stumbled on the fact that old pocket watches were made here a hundred years ago. And most people don't know that America was the Switzerland of the world totally. in the early 1900s. Not at all. And so that's when I just, um, you know, my marketing brain turned on and, and I just loved the, the idea of basically educating people on like these old pocket watches were made here a hundred years ago. Nobody uses pocket watches anymore. They get scrapped for the gold and silver of the case so we can upcycle them and we can figure out how to make the bigger parts like the crown and the, sure. the metal case to make it a wristwatch. That's way easier than making the movement or the little gears and springs. And so, um, the industry calls it a pocket watch conversion, but we put that idea, we thought it was not necessarily our idea, but we thought it was a pretty novel idea. And we put that idea on Kickstarter in 2014 
and accepted pre-orders for what we call the American Artisan Series, which is what we still make today. That's so cool. Um, yeah, you can you guys can check out all the watches at VortexWatches.com. Very cool, all the different collections. Um, so did you start with one or multiple or... You know, what did it look like early days? Because it's evolved now and you've got like, collections and you just launched the military edition. Like, what did it look like when you first started? Yeah, so we decided from right in the beginning on Kickstarter to name the watches or the lines or the models, if you want to call them sure. that, based on where the old pocket watches were made 100 years ago. Got it. Okay, so, makes sense. like a, an Elgin pocket watch made in Elgin, Illinois, we called the Chicago. And so today, if you go on the site, um, you'll see the Chicago 498. And that is the 498th watch we've made using an antique Elgin pocket watch. Got it. And, and, so, and so if you follow that thinking, that so the Springfield 588, the Lancaster 191. Yep. So those numbers increment. Is that right? Then as the next watch from that area comes in, is that how you think about it? Yep. Because every single watch is one of a kind. So they all have their own name Perfect. and serial number. Um, that goes with them. And, and, and so, you know, we, we've had a lot of fun basically not only telling the, the stories of those old watch companies like Elgin, Waltham, Illinois, Hamilton, et cetera, but also talking about the, the, the stories and the history of the place they were made in, you know, like most of these watch companies and the buildings don't exist anymore. Right. Um, so but, crazy. But, but Elgin, you know, Elgin was the world's largest watch company. At one point, they employed over 3,000 people, and that's not wow. far from Chicago. And so there's there's just so much history and so much, like, entrepreneurial history. Um, there's so much to learn from. And, and, yeah, we love talking about that. And obviously, our customers enjoy having that piece of history on their wrist. I'm sure. Yeah, very, very cool. Now, you, neither you or your partner, I don't believe, your co-founder, came from the watch industry. So how did you find people that knew how to take an old watch and make it new? Yeah, so um, we, I mean, I, I'm an engineer and Tyler studied math and he really likes, uh, again, how things are made. And so he's self-taught machinist. So he's the one that takes all of the, the you know, we take a chunk of metal right here in this building and turn it into a watch. And so he's he's basically taught himself how to do that process on YouTube across the last, you know, 10 years. Um, with, with some expert help and, and, you know, consulting and stuff like that. Sure. But, um, as far as the watchmaking, a watchmaker is a whole different level of engineer. And it's like it's the, somebody to have the skill to take apart a Rolex from, let's say, uh, you find a Rolex from the 1970s to take that apart, clean it, oil it, and put it back together. There are schools that teach you how to do that. There's watchmaking schools. They mostly focus on Rolex, Omega, and the other big, you know, luxury brands. So to find people that not only were good watchmakers, but also loved American pocket watches and the antiques, we're not talking vintage, we're talking a hundred years. It's basically the equivalent of like, you know how there's a Jiffy Lube and a car shop on like every corner in Main Street America? Right it's those are watchmakers right like you can go to school to become a watchmaker and learn how to fix a rolex learn how to fix some basic watches to be able to restore a hundred year old american pocket watch is a whole nother level of watchmaking it's like finding a mechanic who specializes in ford model t's sure which there's probably three of in america right, right. like totally and and 
quite literally, there's there's less than 20 watchmakers in the United States that can do what our watchmakers do. And we employ almost half of them. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, so did you know there was a market for this when you started? In other words, how did you know if all the time and effort to take old watches and make them new again would sell? Well, that's why we used Kickstarter, um, because we had no idea. I mean, we didn't right. know. Anyway, we were, we were kids. We were 22, I think, at the time. I think Tyler was 21. Like, we were babies. Like, we had no idea what would sell. We had no idea how to run a business. Um, we didn't know anything like that. We had no idea how to make a watch. So we we put the idea and prototypes um, on Kickstarter, and we basically called that minimum viable product. And we said, hey, if if you want to invest or pre-order this product through Kickstarter, then we'll sit down and figure out how to make it across the next six months. It took us about a year and a half to actually figure out how to make it. Thankfully, our first like 60 or so customers that ordered on Kickstarter were really patient. Most right. of them. Um, but <laughs> most but of them. we used, yeah, we used minimum <laughs> viable product and Kickstarter to prove product market fit because since from 2014 when we launched until 2021, we sold more watches than we made every wow. single year, every single Impressive. month of every single year. We, wow. we couldn't keep up. Um, we just now last year caught up and we have the most inventory we've ever had today. And we have 52 watches total in crazy. stock. So crazy. So, and has it has yeah. it taken off by word of mouth or are you doing other types of marketing? How are you getting the, the word out about your brand? Well, so I love marketing. My my parents were both basically madmen um, in the seventies. <laughs> sure. um, they 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 worked for Leo Burnett in Chicago. Um, Big and agency. My, my, yeah. yeah, my like the agency, right? Yeah. So my my dad worked on the the McDonald's account, um, and he was part of the team that wrote the jingle for the Big Mac, um, <laughs> nice. which I'll never be able to forget. You know, I'm and, sure. <laughs> Um, and my mom worked on the Pepsi account, so they got to go to the Super Bowl and you know fly around the country doing those huge advertising accounts. Um, and they were based in Chicago, and so basically, I grew up watching the Super Bowl for the advertisements, and we muted the the sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people do, that. Um, and and that that was my life. And so I love I love 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 marketing. It's, it's everything I do. Um, my favorite form of marketing is email marketing. And it's my favorite because it actually works. Most advertising and marketing like Facebook ads and all these things, it's, it doesn't definitely work and you don't own the asset. An email list, so Vortic Watch Company's email list is roughly 40,000 strong. Wow. Our goal by the end of the year Massive. is to get to 100,000. But Massive. every single time I hit send on an email, we sell a watch 100% of the time, wow. every time. And we, this year... Now that we have inventory, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. we're 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 selling we're we're sending two emails a week. We used to send Got just it. one, um, but I wrote this. It's called an automated email journey, or a welcome series, is what a lot of people call it. And I wrote it years ago, um, at the advice of a friend. And it's a set of twenty emails that when you sign up for Vortex email list, you get them automatically every three to five days. Got it. And it's all written from me and my voice. It comes from RT at Vortex Watch Company, so you can de decipher it from our weekly email newsletters. And I tell you, you know, here's here's the background of the company. Here's our first product. Here's how we launched the business. Here's some of our favorite watches we've ever made. 
here's, and uh, there's about 12 of those emails that are basically answering frequently asked questions that I know these people have. And that's why they signed up for our email list. Sure. And we've, we've found that about four months into that email list and people getting those automated emails, they start making purchases. And, and is there, that's, that's it. That's amazing. And what a great idea to have that kind of routine. Like, you know, that, that, that upfront communication is set and standard and it's a mechanism, you know what I mean? That you've used and you've probably refined over time. And now you have it so that it's uh, for all those oh 40,000 is an amazing list. Um, when you think about up, like upcycling watches, is there an abundance of supply or do you have to go search high and low to find them? Yeah. Great question. So, we work with estate buyers, especially estate auctions. So every day, Justin, somewhere in America, a jewelry store or a pawn shop goes out of business. And it's the circle of life for the circle of business life. <laughs> sure, right. right. Um, and these pawn shops, especially, they have a bunch of pocket watches that they forgot about. And a lot of the pawn shops are scrapping the gold and silver of the case, leaving the movement dial in hands, the inside of the pocket watch, which is all we need, totally scrapped. Interesting. And so all of those make their way to an estate sale. So a jewelry store, pawn shop, estate sale, someone, an estate buyer comes in and buys the whole thing. They sell the Rolexes to somebody, the gold to somebody else, the diamonds to somebody else. And I am the only person in America that buys more than a hundred pocket watches at a time through these. And so So these these estate buyers, yeah, exactly. These estate buyers, they know who we are. Um, and, and we've, we've, you know, basically built this networking list to say like, Hey, when you have cool pocket watches, whether you have two or 200, send them to us, we'll, we'll sort them out. We'll tell you what's valuable, what's not, and we'll buy the ones that we can use, or we'll recycle the ones that we can't and the ones that we can't use. So I I buy thousands of pocket watches a year to make only a few hundred wristwatches a year. Sure. But the ones that we can't use, we donate to a school in Delaware called the uh, Veterans Watchmaker Initiative. Sure. And uh, the Veterans Watchmaker Initiative is the only independent watchmaking school. And they, as you might imagine, teach U.S. military vets how to become watchmakers. Wow. And so anything we can't use becomes part of education. I love that. Now, how do you figure out pricing? Because one thing I notice is on each of these, like, I, I can't in my mind, make sense of the pricing with the face? Like, it's not like because something has more on the face, it's priced higher. Like, how do you manage figuring out a pricing strategy? Yeah, so we have a a basic price analysis that says that's all based on the rarity of of the peep. Okay. Um, Some people go to VortecWatches.com and they're like, okay, cool. These are old pocket watches turned into wristwatches. I want one because that's a cool idea. And then they just buy one because it looks cool. And to them, the price, they ask that same question, that particular customer base or subsection of our customers, um, they are educated enough to know that they want it, but they don't know all the background of what we do. Obviously, I'll take as many of those customers as we can get because they're great and they're supporting our business. But those are the customers that are buying the two to $4,000 watches kind of our like entry level, you're just kind of dipping your toe in the water, getting one, checking it out. We have collectors that know what they want and they want a watch made in a certain year. They want one that maybe there was only a hundred pocket watches ever made. And so it's extremely rare and the odds of ever seeing another one are almost zero. Those watches are five to 10,000. Got it. And so it's 
it's kind of one of those like if you know you know concepts sure. yep. which is which is awesome because we have I, I did the math back in uh, 2020 at that point once you bought your first vortic watch you had a 60 percent chance of buying a second vortic watch within 12 months ah. I was going to ask and you about repeat buyers. We have hundreds of repeat customers that have two, three, four. We have one guy that has over 50 of our watches. You know, people, when they get the first one, they start shopping for the second. That's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> Amazing, right? I mean, and how cool, uh, cool I mean, you, that you can track that and engage with them and develop a relationship with them. Um, that's super exciting and what a cool space to be in. And then what about the bands? I know you guys offer different types of bands. Can you select that when you select your face or how does that work? Yeah, well, so um, we used to do custom things and we still do some custom stuff. Like if you... If you go on the site or you Google convert your watch, let's say you have a family heirloom, you know, grandpa's pocket watch, you can send that to us and we'll turn it into a wristwatch as a service. Super custom, takes oh, six I months, costs Very a little cool. bit more. Um, <clears throat> that's really fun. And in that service, you can choose everything. We, we actually match you with one of our team here in the office. Um, and one of our watchmakers will help you design the, the rest of the wristwatch around grandpa's or grandma's pocket watch. Um, so that's the only custom service we do. And it's only for people that, I mean, they have a family heirloom, Sure, but, um, on our, the rest of our watches, we choose the, the straps and the cases and everything that we think looks cool. Absolutely. The straps are all interchangeable though. So we have like 15 different colors and a lot of people buy a second strap. If they get a Brown one yeah. that comes with the watch, they'll buy a, a black one separately and we send a screwdriver and all that stuff. It's fairly straightforward. No, that's really, really cool. Yeah, on the website, again, Convert Your Watch, you can see how, and there's some great videos here too about how to take an existing watch and send it and have it converted. Um, so sounds like a lot of good growth. Um, anything not worked? Anything that was like, oh my God, we tried it and that doesn't sell or that didn't work or we, it took us a while to figure out? What does that look like? Um, well, you know, we've been... We've been coming out with new things all the time. The one thing that I would say worked from a marketing standpoint, but didn't work from a production standpoint was in 20, from 2017 to 2019, we had something called the watch builder. And on our website, you could design and customize a watch from, from the ground up. So you picked the pocket watch you wanted, and then you picked the color of case you wanted and the strap and all that stuff. And we shut that off in early 2020 because um, I think partly due to the pandemic and partly because of, I call it the Amazon effect, people did not want to wait six months for a Got custom it. watch, having to buy it up front. The customizability was great and people loved, you know, messing around with that. But we had multiple problems with that. One is now we have a single point supply chain where I'm taking that exact pocket watch that you chose putting all the same things that, that you wanted on it and customizing it for you, which takes a lot more logistics internally. Sure. And then, and then two is um, that like analysis paralysis. There was so many options or so many things. We, we ended up having to basically do Zoom calls with some customers saying like, okay, let me help you kind of narrow it down. It's like, well, I picked this one, I picked that one. So we thought it was cool. And from a marketing standpoint, it was great. People spent you know, hours on our website, which is fantastic. Sure, right. <laughs> but that that wasn't as good of an idea as what we started in June of 2020, which we call the watch of the day. It's super simple. 
Every single day, Monday through Friday, we release one new one-of-a-kind watch that we chose and we handcrafted based on what we know is awesome. And when it sells, it's gone. It's gone. It's immediate right. gratification. It's um, it's manufactured urgency, but literal urgency because they're all one-of-a-kind. So when it does sell, it is actually gone and somebody else owns it. And that's why I think starting in mid-2020, we sold every watch we made for a year and a half. I mean, it was just, I mean, minutes, <laughs> some of these things, uh, you know. Um, so so that's a good example of something that didn't work, that we pivoted and now works extremely well. <laughs> Is, I think it's amazing. Is there an aftermarket? Like, okay, so now someone's been a collector and they're like, you know, I might want to sell. Maybe it's maybe it's increased in value since then. Do you, do you think about or do you take product that has been sold and offer a marketplace for resellers or anything like that? I've had a few people ask me that, and, and we've considered doing that. Um, it's just not a very big market. A lot of our customers, sure. you know, they're buying these as heirlooms for their children. Absolutely, um, and and they're one of a kind, so they just they they love them. And I, you know, I can't speak for all of my customers, but I do have a lot of customers that like they just love these watches so much, and they would never, you know, resell right, them. Right. Um, I mean, we we have. I mean, a few weeks ago, one of them popped up on eBay and it actually sold on eBay for more than I sold it to the original customer for. <laughs> um, and that's happened a few times. So, I mean, I would say two or three a year get resold that I that I see. Um, I'm sure it happens more frequently than that. But um, un until that becomes, a, I would say, an issue or a bigger thing, um, we, we just focus on selling the watches that we make. Makes sense. Um, I asked you what some things that didn't work. Any other piece of advice you'd offer toward the entrepreneurs or the founders that are listening to our show? Things that you've learned over time that have, you know, made it successful to build this brand over time? Maybe one or two things. Yeah. So um we we actually got sued by the world's largest watch company in 2015. Oh. Um, the Swatch Group. Wow. And, That's not fun. Um, and that was a six-year legal battle that um, I'm actually writing a book about. It's called Upcycling the American Dream, the story of Hamilton B. Vortic. And um, I love the title. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. So so the the first thing um, through just uh, it's so many learnings across six years of fighting a federal lawsuit and trying to grow a business. So we, we actually got sued before we shipped our first watch. Oh, um, Why? Uh, well, so it was, a, it was a trademark infringement case, and and all the um, all the details are are going to be released on uh, this Friday. Actually, it's uh, vorticwatches.com slash vorticwatches.com slash victory. Um, and because fast forward, the good news is we won. <laughs> so it's 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 my David and Goliath story, but I did not ask for help until 2019. So it was about four and a half years of trying to take the brunt of this myself for the company, for my business partner, Tyler, like just trying to figure it out, try to own it. Um, and we started asking for help in 2019 and help poured in, you know, our customers, you know, in a David and Goliath story, it, obviously that, that helped us a lot. And people were just like really on our side. And then, um, to a lot of people, a lot of our customers told me it felt like America versus Switzerland in some ways. <laughs> like we were oh really gosh. trying to, you know, we we're trying to represent American made. We're one of the few American watch companies. Right. Um, totally. and they almost took us down. And so, Ugh. 
So um, that's that's the first answer to your question is um, when that's you major. need help, yeah. just, just help. <laughs> open your mouth and ask for it. And there's so many channels to do that. Um, and the second one is entrepreneurship is lonely, but it doesn't have to be. And my my call to action there is I joined, I've joined probably six different masterminds um, in, in my life. And I love the concept of masterminds to the point where um, about a year ago, I purchased a mastermind as a business. And now my, my other business and I, my other business partner and I run a mastermind for entry-level entrepreneurs called Fast Foundations. Um, but I've, I've joined and been a part of so many mastermind groups. And it's just, you know, the concept of a mastermind, I think is just so valuable and being able to sit down and like, you know, everybody signs an NDA. So you can say anything you want. You can literally ask for help. You can go deep. And then also the reciprocal of it and helping somebody else that needs help in their business, sure. especially now that I've been through a lot and it's been a decade, I have some value that I can share and, totally. and being able to, totally. to to move the needle for somebody else is like really, really cool, especially when they become a friend. So yeah, ask for help and get in the room, like go join a mastermind. Those are my Love two that. things. Such great advice. Um, man, so excited for you and the brand. Before we go, I got to ask you the name of the company, Vortic. Where did that come from? Like Vortex and TikTok, a beautiful clash of old and new. The Vortex and TikTok. I love that. I always love to ask. It's so cool. Um, hey, listen, mm -hmm. it's so great having you with us. You got to come back on down the road, share more um, stories with us. And of course, revisit. We could you'll have your book out by then. Um, we definitely will have you back. Share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy product, et cetera. Yeah, VorticWatches.com is the best. That's V as in Victor, O-R-T-I-C, watches.com. And then I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's just RT without the periods, like Robert Thomas, RT Custer, C-U-S-T-E-R. I love it, man. So great having you. I'm excited for you. I'm glad you got through and what had to be a tough um, and challenging gosh, a couple of years, right? Um, with that lawsuit. And I mean, it's just, we'll have to talk about that and unpack that on our next episode. But hey, so great having you with us and look forward to staying in touch, having you back on. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, I think the book will come out in the summer. So I'd love to be back on and talk about it. We'll make it happen. Thank you. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>